missions that God had was that you and I would experience better days. And I, and I don't want to um, show it to you. I think it's right here in the scriptures. There's actually a prophecy in Isaiah. I want to take you to Isaiah chapter 9, where it's talked about what God's intentions were, the nature of this baby who would come, and the descriptions that would be said. But I want to start with a setting that they say this baby is going to come into, and that's found in verse 2 of chapter 9. And he says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. I don't know if you've ever been in the dark. It's incredibly debilitating. You know, uh, with all of these gadgets we have these days, we're rarely somewhere where it's pitch black, but occasionally it happens to me in a hotel room where they make those really good kind of things that go over the window and no lights coming in and your phone's turned down for the night and you get up to go to the bathroom and it's a war zone out there. Like, you have hands out, you're not really sure where the walls are, you're not sure how this is gonna go, right? And it's rough. This picture of darkness is about being debilitated and it gives two examples of people who are dealing with it differently. Some have decided they're gonna walk around in it They have no idea where they're going. They have no idea where they're going to get there. They have no idea what they're going to run into, but they're walking around in it. And the other one says those living in the land of darkness. Some had just chosen to just deal with it. I'm just going to live with this. I'm I'm going to just accept that there's darkness and there's nothing I can do about it and just get through life. And he said, what happens for both of those people is one, a great light comes or a light is seen. And this is what Jesus represents for the world, for you, for me, is that all of a sudden, the ability to get through the darkness becomes available. And he starts to describe how that's going to look, how that ability to navigate is now going to change. And he starts to give descriptions to it In verse 6 of chapter 9, and he says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Now, I personally think it's cool how this was written here. Because uh, for, for most of us, we can understand the physical side of this. A child is born. And that... That's meant to be something that you can easily identify with. But then the second part comes along and it says a son is given. And then that raises all kinds of questions. Who's doing the giving? Why are they doing the giving? What's the gift about? And it's kind of a, a revelation of the spiritual side of what's happening here. God's getting involved. He's sending his son who is of spirit as well. And it's a combination that you see here. There's this physical world and the spiritual world, and they show up in Jesus. And I I don't fully understand it. How do you be 100% man? How do you be 100% God at the same time? I don't know. But you can see it even taking place here, where there's this physical thing and the spiritual thing. And we're about to read a list about this child that is sent And some of it is going to be physical stuff that matters for us, like touches our lives in real physical ways. And some of it is going to be spiritual stuff that touches our life in real ways. It's because both of them are carried 
by this baby. It's kind of revealed in this opening little phrases of a, a child being born and a son is given. And then he goes on to say, <laughs> and the government will be on his shoulders. I don't know what you think of when you see that. But I, I think of um, like governing. That's a weight of responsibility where somebody sets laws, they hold people to it. They make wise decisions for groups, right? But, but at this time, because of where we live and what's going on, most of us would go, that is the last thing you would wish on a child, right? You'll be a good governor someday. All you're saying is, I hope 50% of the people hate you sometime in your lifetime, right? doesn't matter which side you choose. Half of them are going to hate you immediately. There's nothing that is exciting about this. Governing in Jesus' day, people who held power dominated. And so to attach this to this little baby might seem odd. Why would you do this? Odd especially because we know that Jesus was actually offered this opportunity several times. Like, if people believed that he was the Messiah, they wanted him to declare it so that they could start a rebellion. They would follow him. They wanted to form a government on earth right now that would fight Rome, that would set them free, that would establish the kingdom that they thought God wanted. They wanted Jesus for this position of leadership. He said, no, I have a different leading in mind. My leading is about the hearts and minds of people. I care about what's happening in the spiritual life of that person. And as I change that, it will have impacts on the way they live and the way they think. It will change them. And this is what I've come to do. And so his leading is different, and we're about to find out how different it is. Because there are going to be some descriptions that follow that describe how he's going to lead us. And they're pretty incredible. Let me read you the first one. The government's going to be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful. Now, many of you may have heard this as Wonderful Counselor. I've done a lot of reading over the last two weeks on this section of Scripture. I'm really convinced it was meant to be a standalone word. It is meant to be a description of how he would lead who he would be. Um, it's attached to this idea that he was a gift of God, and so there is amazement to this. There's an awe in this that you see as he goes about leading, that you're shocked, amazed that he would do this for you. And so his choices, his decisions, wonderful. When was the last time you thought of somebody in government and went, they're so But that's what happens here. He has that kind of leading attached to him that we would look at what he does and how he does it and we would think, that's awe-inspiring. That's incredible. It's wonderful. A leader who's gracious, loving, just, right, uh, that's what I'm saying. I think as we get into here and we start looking at these things, if we would just reflect on this kind of stuff, it's what's central to the Christmas story. There would be something 
that would give you a sense of hope. The fact that your leader, somebody who wants to come to your heart and give you some direction, would be described as wonderful is amazing. And it should change how we celebrate. He goes on. He says, the next description is counselor. What do you think of when you think of somebody who's counseling you? What are they really good at? They're a good listener. Maybe they have good advice. Maybe they're really wise. And this is what this baby is born with, the ability to give counsel, to be able to look at you and to say, I know you were in the dark, but as I bring light to your world, now I can bring a sense of purpose, direction, hope. I can give you guidance. I'd like to help you with my counsel. And because he's a holder of all wisdom, we talked about this in weeks past, his counsel becomes of value to us. Not that it makes everything solved and everything easy, but to go through life with somebody that you know who hears you and who has wisdom and can help you, it changes things. So not only is he wonderful, he's a counselor that you can count on sometimes to say, I, I need you to take a bold step that's different. And sometimes to say, I need you to just trust. I'm going to walk with you to the other side of this thing that you don't understand, but I'm with you. And we take that counsel from him. It's not at all. There's more. It says he's mighty God, which means this baby is born powerful, with authority. He has strength, all of it, connected to God. There's no separation. He, he is God himself bringing that to earth. What's fascinating about it, I think, I think it ends up in the list um, where it is on purpose. Because people who held all power during these times that this stuff would have been written, they were awful. They did horrible things. But already we've learned that this person, this mighty God, this one who has all the power, all authority, is going to be identified as wonderful. Will be a counselor who has wisdom of making great choices. And this power isn't to be something to be afraid of, but to be embraced and excited about that somebody wonderful would actually possess all of this power. The next description is a little harder for some. He's everlasting father. I, I, I know this is harder for some because I've talked to some of you who've wrestled over the years trying to understand God as your father because your experience with your father wasn't great. In fact, uh, many of you, it was less than great. And all of us, have had fathers who aren't perfect. We just haven't been able to pull that off. And so we've had these experiences that have shaped how we think of father, talk about father, and then God comes along and he wants to be our father. We don't fully understand that. But the description, the description that he attaches to this, I think is interesting, and it started to kind of change for me my understanding of this as I've gotten older because I have older kids now. They've, they've gone off and they've started their careers. Some of them have started families. They don't, 
they don't need me to be dad anymore. But here's what I've discovered. I still feel like dad to each one of them. I still want to care for them. I still want them to know I love them. I want to be there to support them. Like, I don't want to do it for them, but, I, but I'm on call, and I'll answer any time they want. And this description of the Father was that he's eternal. This sense of care that he has for you is not going to go away. It's not conditional. He just loves you. He wants to be available to support you. He's going to show up when you need him. He's going to keep his word. These are the things that a perfect father does, and that's who he is, and that's what he wants to be to you. It doesn't matter what you've experienced in the past and what you've seen. His care, his love, wants to show up as a father would do it and be eternal, something that's not going to be shaken and temporary. You'll have this for the rest of your life. Then he gets to this last description. And he says he's the prince of peace. Now, just in case uh, you feel like that's a demotion, I think some people have read this over the years and they thought, well, he's been given this moniker because God the Father holds like kingship and then Jesus is prince and because he's a son, you get the, the prince. That's a lot of modern stuff that has kind of made its way into the text. In these ancient times, there were titles that were given for the highest position of authority held. One of them was king, one of them was prince. He holds the highest position of authority. This is not some demotion. And as prince, what does he do with all of this power? Peace. Peace. Which again, if you look at history, you'll see many times peace was declared after a whole bunch of people were killed. There would be a big war. A war would come to an end. And then there would be peace. Can I point out to you that that's exactly what's about to happen? Because Jesus will come as a baby. He will step into a spiritual war where he will become the sacrifice and his blood would be shed. And at the end of that, he would come back to life and offer you peace. He's the prince of peace. He knew what was going on. He wasn't necessarily trying to establish a world dominated by peace in the instant. He was establishing it in your heart. Believing that if you started to act with peace, that if you started to act with peace towards others, that it would spread, that it would become something that people would want and value. So he comes to meet your heart and your mind and to give you rest and to give you peace. This is the nature of this little baby who comes as wonderful, comes as counselor, comes as mighty God, comes as your everlasting father and prince of peace. This 
is who he is. And as I've thought a lot over the last few months about this series and about what God was up to with this baby, I've had a couple thoughts. They could be wrong. They both could be right. I don't know. But, um, but I've, again, thought about why. Why is Jesus sending a baby to do this? And one of the things that crossed my mind after I read this list and how incredible it is, I thought, God is so powerful, so big, so incredible that if he didn't come as a baby, we might not have been able to take it. We might have been overwhelmed. And then I had this second thought. Maybe he has so much power that all he needed was a baby. Just give me a baby into this world and I can change everything. Because I'm going to bring my nature to earth. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be present in your lives. I'm going to sacrifice and I'm going to offer you peace that you could never have before. And I am going to bring light to your life. And the world that you know would begin again because of what I'm doing through a baby. Listen, my friends, I know, I know it's crazy busy out there. I know there's all kinds of stuff to do to get ready for the celebration of this. But if you can find some time just to quietly reflect on what God was up to, what he intended to do is he sent that baby to change everything, to take positions in your life that were wonderful, that were a counselor, that were an everlasting father, that were prince of peace, that you would find hope. And you would realize that your connection to him provides better days ahead, not because he makes the path easy to walk on, but because he's with you. And he's with you as a father. He's with you after you've been given peace. He's with you. And this is why we celebrate. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders and they will call him wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And he's going to do that for you because he loves you. And he came and he made a sacrifice. I hope your hearts will be encouraged as you step into these next few days to remember that what's at the core of this is a God who came out of love to change your whole world. And he did. Can we thank him together? Let's pray. God, the descriptions that are written of you in the scriptures, um, they fill our hearts with joy. And sometimes at this time of year, uh, people are not feeling that sense of joy. But I ask that you would help them to focus on what you did and who you are and what you were intending to accomplish in our lives. God, and I ask that they would reach out 
and they would find the comfort in this wonderful person, this counselor, this mighty God, this everlasting Father who desires to care and love us, this Prince of Peace that is established through his blood, peace for us. God, I ask that it would change the way we look at this season, that we would all be excited to celebrate who you are, what you've done, and how you've made all things new. We love you.